Welcome back to the Gentleman's Dojo. Oh my god! And there god. it is. There's our new theme song. We officially we had a big power meeting last night. Power meeting. Four hours. Yeah. Brought in some executives from New York. <laughs> really figured this out. Focus grouped it. <laughs> it was this or air supplies all out of love. We thought, you know, let's let's go with the karate. Kid. I I really thought that. All the people in the focus group would see us behind that glass, but they didn't. <laughs> and we approved this song. We researched a lot of top Instagram accounts by 17 and 18 year old girls. <laughs> Anything that has the social following. Here's what I love about this Very song nice. so much of that Karate Kid movie was shot in the valley in Encino, now where I live. Yeah. I passed by. Do you remember when Daniel picks up the girl and they have the mom's car and they're like, he kicks the brick and the brick falls off? They go to golf. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they go to golf and golf stuff. And that stuff, that yeah. house is in Encino. His apartment complex is in Reseda. That's right. That's yeah, right. yeah. little trivia. little piece of trivia. Oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, well, thank you. We have, we have <laughs> that, is very, our new, that is our new theme song, by the way. We have a very exciting uh, announcement at the end of the dojo today. Yes. We have a very exciting announcement at the end of the dojo. Our producer is ex- sitting there listening. He's very excited about we're this We're going to start doing this every episode, um, and we're excited about our guest today. I mean, as you know, the dojo has only gotten better and better, and this guest may be the one I, I think we've all anticipated the most. Yeah, this is incredible. I don't. I, I, can't I, I don't know how you idea. did this. Yeah. Literally, I, I just don't know how you pulled this off. Very excited about this guest, and I will say, you know, we did have some great shows within the first one hundred. No question, right? Yeah. Second set of shows, second season. I would like to say, just getting better. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the mechanic was fantastic. <laughs> The mechanic was fantastic. Hotel Hacks. <laughs> um, Hotel Hacks might have been in our top five, but yeah. this 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 may bump it out. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Why is it always the guests that I booked that were the most critical during the first one? You're 100? the laziest member of the dojo. <laughs> this guy's got Carson Palmer coming in 2019. Yeah, yeah so just back off, Jack. I promise. Yeah, well, let's set up our guest because he's moments away from calling in. Yeah. We don't want to waste any of his time. He's got more badass things to do between now and the weekend. Well, I think it's fair fair to say we all have heroes. Yep. Some say your dad's a hero. Right. Some nope. say someone on the gridiron or a sports hero or icon fireman. could be your hero. Uh, a fireman could be a hero. This guy, I think, tops them all. Yeah. Yeah, this and guy. And it starts with 9-11. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. That's right. Nice. Yeah. A moment of silence for 9-11. A moment of silence for 9-11, yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. just came and went. Yeah, obviously. Yep. Anniversary. Uh, but this was the gentleman, the badass Navy SEAL, who fired the shot that killed Osama bin Laden, and he is joining us in the dojo to talk about his book. It's called The Operator: Firing the Shot That Killed Osama bin Laden. In my years as a SEAL team warrior, he is calling us momentarily, Mr. Robert J. O'Neill. Yes. Unbelievable. We're very excited to have this guy. How Took a you, lot of work you, yeah, back and forth. Get, how did you get in touch with him? Uh, you know, it all started back with the, uh, the, the publisher. Gym. You guys yeah, were we doing CrossFit <laughs> together, right? <laughs> I take his Navy SEAL training class. <laughs> you teach it, don't so you? So he threw me into a pool for an hour, <laughs> tied up in ropes. That's what he did. And then uh, I was able to escape like a Chris Angel type appearance. <laughs> so that was great. Um, but we're, we're excited because this guy, obviously, is just the real deal. I mean, you just hear, first of all, you hear so much about what it takes to be a Navy SEAL. I mean, it is just. In the old days, it was Green Berets, right? Like in the 60s, John Kennedy started I, I think it. that was because of uh, Rambo is oh, why is that... I knew Green Berets. You know, when I was like little, I remember Rambo was a Green Beret. I'm sure. like, that'd be awesome. But I think then that movie with Charlie Sheen came out, it's like, 
Navy SEAL. That's right. what you got to do. But yeah, I, look, I read this book and it is, look, it's a it's a great read. It's a tough read at times, obviously, but also the great thing I like about it is that there's a code of silence with all these guys that they rarely talk about their missions. They, they don't want to come off as a braggart or someone who's beating their chest, but every now and then you get a peek behind the curtain, and this is a fascinating peek behind the curtain, not only with the training, the missions, and ultimately the mission. Well, it's interesting because the team, the Navy SEAL team that killed bin Laden was Navy SEAL Team 6, mm-hmm. and he never mentions what number it is. He just it's, it's, I guess, a code for not wanting to put it out there. And how does that get decided? Like, because he's part of a team, but is it like, is he the, the head of that team? So it's like, all right, you get the shot, or is it uh, skill level, or is it just, was it just the moment? Like, oh, he's got the position, you take the shot. Well, he'll talk about that, but obviously what was happening, and from what I saw in interviews, and I read the book cover to cover, but basically he was behind somebody who then took a turn to go into another room. He then took the turn so took the to lead. go right. Okay. Oh, he, okay. And then right in front of him was Bin Laden. And he just, no questions asked. Boom. Done. Boom. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I think he's got to be, and I, I need to ask him about this because I think the greatest thing is he's got to be very discreet on what he's done, what he sure. did in the past. But I, I assume a guy like this isn't paying for a dinner anywhere, right? He gets a check and he's like, Get the fuck out. Like, <laughs> I mean, if people know him by face. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I just think it would just be face. great. Like, you have a picture, like the selfie of you with the head, and you just pull it out on your phone, and you're like, yeah. well, yeah, I'm not paying the, for this. You know, anytime you're hanging out with, like, your kid's parents, it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, Johnny hit a home run. It's like, Johnny hit a home run? Yeah, I killed Bin Laden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me just pull out my the phone here. Yeah. Uh, you're not paying for picture. anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, get out of here, Applebee's. I'm not paying for that shit. It's okay. almost like a like the Neil Armstrong, I guess, of, yeah. of maybe this generation where, you know, just what a celebrated American he is from an accomplishment. Uh, well, again, I think I think it's also that point too of everybody knows where they were during 9/11. Everybody right. absolutely knows. And where so, were you, Gary? What I was were probably you, at the gym. You? Oh, please. Yeah. Where were you, honestly? Um, can you pull that through? He should be on the line. If we can grab him, just call. Morning. Hey. hey. There he is. How you guys doing? Good, brother. Great, great. Thank you so much for taking time to wow. uh, hang with us in the dojo. Now, I know you're a Navy SEAL, but have you? when's the last time you were actually in a dojo? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, can't remember, I can't remember the last time. I think now, now it's the first time in about a decade. What a pussy. <laughs> Listen, yeah. Robert, thank you so much. Honestly, we've, we've been talking up your book. We uh, awesome, man. Unbelievable read. Great read. Um, fascinating. Uh, I, I want to go just just quickly through through the, the book opens with this amazing timeline. Right. So you're born in Montana, April 10th, 1976. You, fall of 88. You shoot your first deer on a hunting trip. You go down the line, uh, you know, you're part in April 2009, part of the team rescuing Captain Richard Phillips from Somali pirates. May 2011, Rob kills the most wanted terrorist, Osama bin Laden. Gary's timeline starts, he was born in Michigan, <laughs> I believe in the 70s. He did Last Call with Carson Daly yes. in 2004, and yep. that's it. So he has that's two it. hits on his timeline. You and I are very similar, Mr. O'Neill. Very similar. <laughs> we, have, we have a lot in common. I have a coloring think, yeah. book coming out. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to love it. <laughs> but what I love about, uh, you know, obviously not just the book, but it just seems like in all your appearances, uh, and obviously you get this from the book, what a humble 
fella you are, and I think it all starts in Montana. And to my left is Patrick Keene, another great comedian, obviously Gary Cannon. Patrick actually went to school in Montana, so we were just hoping Patrick wants you yeah, to it yeah, off Yeah, I went to uh, Carroll College in Helena. Montana. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we probably know a lot of people and uh, to, we probably know some of the same people. It's interesting because like being from Butte, Butte is like the toughest place in the country. Right. I mean, <laughs> well, Butte, Montana. Yeah, we, we're kind of like that because it's a mining town. And, and uh, basically the guys uh, would spend 12 hours in the mines and then 12 hours in the bars. Right. And they go back <laughs> to the mines and uh, not a lot. Of, yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of a lot of scrapping going on. That, that's kind of, I, I credit a lot of the, you know, people say that I'm humble with what I've done because I've learned in Butte, Montana, especially that, you know, you, you turn into a loudmouth, someone there can uh, clean your clock for you. So, um, you don't you know, there's no reason to go around being cocky. You, 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 you go and really quickly that way. Yeah, it seems like, uh, like our, our school, we had a lot of, a lot of the football team was from Butte, just a lot of tough they, Yeah, they were. A lot, a lot of guys from behind Butte Central, the, the Butte Central the, my high school, a lot of guys go there to play co- uh, college football. It's an awesome place, great campus. Yeah, great people up there. It's beautiful, and and then is is it so? Is it a big deal to the community of Butte that 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 one of their sons did this uh, with Bin Laden, or is it just another day? Like because Butte kids, I mean, it's like, yeah, no, right. I mean, I get I get I get thanked when I get up there, and I get some free free beers and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's not what you think. It is it is sort of just like yeah, we expected that. It's kind of it's kind of weird. Almost like are you guys are you guys pissed at me or something? Well, Robert, we we were saying that before you joined us on the air. We were saying that it's got to be just impossible for you to walk into a restaurant and somebody hand you a check, and you're like, you're gonna have to get that thing out of here. I I don't know if you know this or not, but I killed Bin Laden. You got to pull that check away. They've they've that's happened before. I don't I don't go around trying to get free stuff out of it, but it it has happened, and it's very nice when people do it. a lot of people do it anonymously, you know, just to pick it up or whatever. So it's pretty cool. But well, they don't, um, they don't, they don't pick up on the fact that obviously when you give the your Amex and the names on it, they don't pick up on it. Or when you wear the T-shirt, "I killed Bin Laden," to yeah, Applebee's, right. they're yeah. not like, my, "Are you my big, sure?" My big orange T-shirt, yeah, with the, uh, <laughs> the hat with the propeller on it, right? Listen, well, I didn't no, even, it's... I didn't even kill Bin Laden, and I'm trying to capitalize off of what you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, look at the book I just read. <laughs> Well, a, you know a lot of people, a lot of people do better by lying and saying they work with Navy SEALs as opposed to saying they are <laughs> Navy SEALs. No one ever believes anyone's a SEAL anyway. Yeah. Plus, uh, like my, people, you'd be surprised. A lot of people don't recognize me because nowadays, you know, my last name's not Jenner or Kardashian, so no one really knows. Right. Me. <laughs> oh, like, by the now, way, don't get me wrong. If I, if I go to a place like in Iowa, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a red state. People that watch Fox News, they'll recognize me. But most places, people have no idea what's going on the planet. They, you know, they, they don't know where Canada is. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, good, go Gary. Did you? We wanna... do want to congratulate him. He just got married, by the way. Oh, oh congratulations! Nice. Yes, I did. It was wonderful. Yeah, I just got married, and we just finished our honeymoon in Bora Bora. Which, if you've not been, go. It's amazing. Well, Robert, you've you've been on four hundred missions. You're about to go on your toughest one. So good luck. Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you very much. With the much. peaks and valleys of marriage, uh, <laughs> but honestly, congratulations. <laughs> thank you thank on you. that. Um, we want to, you know, we don't want to take up too much of your time. Obviously, you're a very busy fella. Probably, you know, doing crunches, much like Gary. Gary's going to curves <laughs> as soon as we're done here. <laughs> the the book, I got to tell you, uh, you know, there's so many fascinating things along that that. I read, but one of the things just starting off, how much folding you do in the Navy, <laughs> you know, it's something you don't think about. I didn't expect that either because you, you know, you're going to Navy boot camp. They're, they're not training you to be a, a tough guy. They're training you to live on a ship with, with other dudes. And you, you got about two or three drawers to fit all your, you know, your whole sea bag with the, 
dungarees and blue shirts into and you gotta learn how to fold the hell out of a towel and all that stuff and it's 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 a it's it's an interesting thing but i didn't expect it. you don't when i went through and i was in the 90, 1996 there wasn't a lot of working out going on and, and we were putting hot sauce and gravy on all the craft that we ate and it like really getting out of shape i was that was one of my biggest concerns is, you know i kept retaking the uh the test to get into seal training just to have a workout twice a week so it's a it's not what you think i mean it's, it's i'm big in a naval tradition i love the navy and all this stuff but I, it's it's a, it's a lot different than like the marines with the marine corps does in their boot camp you know they're getting their butts handed to them and navy's not a, that, at least that's what i went through but you know how it is when, when guys went through the you know boot camp 20 years ago that was, you know, that was the last hard class you guys have it easy nowadays all that stuff so i don't know what's going on there but uh you know, they, they seem to – it's the world's finest Navy, so they're doing a good job. Well, Marines might be tough, but you guys would obviously be better at origami. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, 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 look, when, when I really kicked in for me is just the grueling amount of training you guys go through uh, and, and the fact that there's the test before the actual test, and that test, it go you know, in the book, it, what, it goes from 500 guys to four to just do the test. Yeah, the te- and the test isn't that hard. I mean, it's it's a it's a swim, it's push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, a run, and and most people fail that, and that's the test just to potentially get orders to go try seal training. But and out of five hundred guys, only four made it to just take to just take the test. Is that yes. correct? Well, it's, um, everybody, every almost every dude that I met in the Navy joined to be a seal, and they're all cocky and all that stuff. And then you go to take the test, and everybody fails, and it just seems that's the way it was. So out of, out of the Two to three hundred, maybe two to four would pass it, and so wow. out of that two, two to four, they would go to SEAL training. So you got to figure every Tuesday and Thursday, you get that two to four. Eventually, it adds up to two hundred thirty, and that's your class. And then eighty-five percent of those guys don't make it. And you, you, so it's, you failed it the first time because of the I push-ups, did. right? I, I failed it because uh, in the military, when you go in, they give you uh, vaccinations for everything imaginable in one day. Right. And so you're sick as a dog the next day. And I just have, you know, a really bad cotton mouth, very sick, sore arm. So I uh, was in no shape to be doing anything. So, yeah, I actually failed it the first time, which is heartbreaking because you realize that, my God, I just joined the Navy to be a SEAL. I just failed the test. What if I end up on a ship for six years? I don't want to do that. So, but it's, it, that's a very valuable lesson early in life that um, you're not going to learn anything from successes. You learn from failure. As long as you admit you failed, let's get better at it. Why did I fail? What can I do better? How do I how do I avoid this in the future? That's that's how you learn, is by failing. And well, if you lie to yourself and say you didn't fail, you're you're just you're not doing yourself any favors. We've we've done a lot of learning on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're admitting it to ourselves all the time. We're learning every but then, day. But then you went back two days later and then you passed. Yep. I mean, just amazing yep. the turnaround. Two days later, it's crazy. Yeah, it was, and that was a, just a relief too because uh, I, I was concerned. What if, it, what if it wasn't the vaccination? What if I'm just weak now because of all the rice and gravy and Salisbury steak? <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the things that are that you endured during the uh, actual training sound absolutely horrifying. I just saw it, and that pales in comparison to <laughs> to drown proofing to the beehive. Can you explain yeah, what, to some of these know, people some of the yeah, things what, you... What we say, the difference between Navy SEALs and IT is uh, as SEALs, our balloons are bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're, doing, they're doing stuff to you every day. I mean, the beehive is something that doesn't get any credit because that's just, they just you know, that's when you're the, the maximum amount of people in your class. They put everybody in the deep end as close as you can be together. So if you can imagine 200 people... Just, uh, you know, in the Navy, we call it nut to butt. Like, you're right next to each other. Gary calls um, that a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Before um, the show. And 
they're just teaching you how to be calm, but people freak out and start like trying to you know push someone down by their head so they can breathe, and then people are almost drowning. And all you gotta do is calmly exhale, go to the bottom, make your way out, and then be on the outside again. Like you're just you're just learning how to just. A lot of these really weird tests in SEAL training are to teach you how to calm yourself down. That panic is not going to help you, and it never will. So just calm down, take a wrap off, take a breath, figure out what's going on, and then uh, you know, slow is smooth, smooth is fast, get on with your life type stuff. So, but we're doing it every day, and you know, everything from a you know swimming half the distance of a football field underwater, you know, without breathing, you can't kick off the side, and then there's like the 5.5 nautical mile ocean swim against the current, which we had the fortune of doing twice oh. because the yeah, they, they made us swim against the current, and we were in there for about six hours. We finally got near the end. We got out of the water. You know, we were 100 meters short of the thing, but we're like, thank God, it's finally over. That's a milestone. And we came into like, – that was a Friday, I think, and then we came back in on a Monday, and the instructor said, well, since everybody didn't finish the swim completely, we're not doing our dive physics tests. Uh, put your pens down. Go get your fins. We're doing that again. Oh. And that right there is like – that's like a heartbreaking, pretty much the meanest thing anyone's ever done to me. I was like, you can't be serious. We're doing this again. So it's – it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, this with the, uh, like where you work out to the galley is a mile. So you get to run six miles a day just to eat on top Jeez. of the 14 miles a day you're running with logs on your head. It's like the opposite it's, workout. Yeah. You usually eat horribly, then you feel yeah. guilty. You got to run. But, uh, the thing I found really fascinating about you personally is that so many of the guys you, you were training with were actually swimmers or they yes. swam competitively in high school. Were you a, a were you a decent obviously you were a decent swimmer no. but did you is that something you even thought about before you went in no no i didn't even know how to swim i'd uh I'd, i could keep myself alive but i'd never i'd never been swimming i didn't know any strokes i didn't know anything i uh i could tread water that's about it and i didn't like the recruiter it turns out didn't care he just i thought he you know he cared about me he was looking for a quota so he didn't he didn't give right. a damn about what. <laughs> so he got me in there and then he made me sign the paper before i um saw the video I saw the video and I had, I, I had between the time I signed and the time that I left, I, I had about five months to, I was fortunate to run into a friend of mine named Mike Driscoll from Butte, Montana, who went to swim at Notre Dame. And he's, he saw me in the pool trying to teach myself one day. And he's like, what are you doing, Rob? Uh, why are you here? First of all. And I said, oh, I was joined the Navy to be a SEAL. And he goes, oh God, not like that. You're not get back in the water. He's, he's like, where's your bathing stuff. suit? <laughs> it's yeah, a public pool, had, Rob. I had, I, had a, I had a t-shirt and no pants. <laughs> well, the what are the great moments in the book? Obviously, and thank you so much for sharing this because prior to you know coming on the air, we were all talking about how. You know, but, but also congratulations to Robert. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, for yeah. making the dojo. You know, you made it on Stern, <laughs> but now you're on the. I, I, yeah, I finally made it after yeah. 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> the dojo, but Hell Week was just such a fascinating read. The, everything you got to endure, and, and the thing that you had put in, I, you know, prior to maybe it's more physical, but this is physical and mental. Whenever you hear about somebody, oh, I had a bad week, or Trump's worst week politically, when you hear that, are you just like, come on, this is this is compared to what you endure in Hell Week? Can you just well, walk no, through I what... Mean, com- Hell Week doesn't really compare to anything. And what's, what's really unique, too, it's, okay, for those that don't know, Hell Week is, you know, SEAL training is really, really hard when you're doing it from 4 a.m. to 7 p.m., but Hell Week, you start, like, Sunday afternoon, and you do that Navy SEAL training for they're all every hour for uh, until Friday afternoon. So you're going a full week without sleep, um, and you're you're wet and miserable the entire time, covered in sand. And it's just uh, uh, it, every seal that goes through it, and people that have written books, they all have a different, unique story about Hell Week. But it's uh it's it's just one of those things. Again, you're you're not learning like, okay, it's Sunday, I got to get to Friday. It's you're like, okay, it's Sunday night, 
I need to get to breakfast. And you get to breakfast and sit there, just eat as much calories, as many calories as you can. I just constantly, okay, all I got to do is make it to lunch, you know? And then, like, your long-term goal isn't – even your long-term goal is not Friday. Your long-term goal is Wednesday morning when the sun comes up because you, I, I convince myself if I can see the sun on Wednesday, that means I'll be hallucinating so bad it won't matter. And I can get to Friday, you know? It's just, it's, but, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very hard, hard part of the course. And, and yeah, so when people say they had a bad week um, – they don't, you know, they, nothing compares to this. And, and but you, you kind of wonder why you do it. And people always say, well, you know, you want to know that you'll never quit in combat. But there hadn't really been any combat for SEALs since, uh, you know, there's a few fights here and there, obviously, Panama, Grenada, but since Vietnam. So no one really knew what it was. And one of my first missions when I was at that elite uh, tier one SEAL team um, was to rescue the lone survivor, Marcus Luttrell. And we were out in the walking through the most dangerous place in the world, the Korangal Valley. Um, in you know, Konar province, Afghanistan. It's 2005. We're on top of a mountain. And I remember talking to one of my guys saying, you know, we've been awake two days. It's like, this is why Hell Week is so hard because if we wanted to quit right now, where are we going to go? Yeah. There's no way. We're just here. <laughs> we got to keep moving forward. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's, in, but, but Hell Week was hard, but there, there has been harder things in combat that we've done. And that's why, that's why the training so hard. The uh, selection process is so difficult to get in. Is that like, the thing I found heartbreaking was every morning when you wake up and you hear the quitters, they had to ring that bell, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Every morning, yeah. Is that is that done in the morning to motivate you to be like, All right, I'm not going to be one of those guys? It's well, just got to be heartbreaking. They, they would do it on the uh, the morning after like a long weekend. They would do it. But if, if a guy quits, they, they get to go right up to it right now and oh. ring the bell. And it's not heartbreaking. At first, you, want, you think that you, you want to be like, Hey, you know, don't quit and let's all be a team. And eventually, like, screw it. Get out of here. I don't want you. Right. You know, the rest of us are thinking about quitting, too, but we're not doing it. And uh, you want the class to get smaller eventually. And once once you get through Hell Week, you realize – and I tell even – you know, I talk to high school kids, college guys now, and I'll tell them they want to be SEALs, and I'll say, look, don't make any friends until after Hell Week because the guy the guy to your left and right is not going to be there. And, and the problem there – you get into what's called um, sympathetic quitting. Like, oh, my God, I looked up to him because he was older and he went to college and he quit, and that means I can't make it and then I'll quit. That's just a horrible mindset. You can do anything you want. Just stay positive. Don't listen to the negativity. Don't follow the uh, – I guess follow the loser. Sympathetic quitting, that's that's a hell of a phrase. I mean, that's, it's, that's pretty good. It's interesting, Robert. I talk to college and high school kids as well, but I tell them about watching their cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might need that talk after this podcast. Robert, <laughs> Robert don't, don't get to know Gary. Don't get close to, too close to Gary. Gary is known as Gary, quote-unquote, Amber Alert Cannon. <laughs> so sympathetic dieting. Yeah, sympathetic dieting. Sympathetic dieting. Robert, They'd be waking me up at 4 a.m. I'd be like, can we just watch the Maury show today? We just need a little time off. Robert, when did the book become a possibility? Like, were you approached or was it you felt it was necessary to get this out? Or Yeah, I, I felt it was my call. Um, I, I came out with the story because of uh, I donated my shirt that I wore in Bin Laden's bedroom to the 9-11 memorial. And the, uh, the, anonymously, it wasn't like, here's Rob's shirt, check it out. <clears throat> it was just, a, you know, this shirt was there. But and as part of that, I got a private tour of the memorial. And at the end, though, I didn't know this. There was about 35 family members who all lost loved ones in the towers. Uh, well, and well, um, all three places, you know, the Pentagon, World Trade Center, and Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And they wanted to hear me talk. And that was the first time I ever told the story about Bin Laden. And they, you know, they said there's just a, you know, head in the hands, the tears, um, you know, wives and sons, just telling me, uh, you know, there will never be closure. But this is this will help with the healing to have an actual face, an actual name 
you know, because of the conspiracy theory, someone that was there, this happened, this guy was brought to justice. And that's when I came out with a story because I realized if I can help these people, I can help thousands more. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a risk, but I've accepted risk before. And if I can help them with that horrible, horrible day, then I'll do it. And that's why I initially came out with the story. But then as it went on, the story was already out. I was going through my memoirs and I was like, wow, this is kind of, you know, I was with, I, I was on the team that rescued Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor. I was on the team that rescued Captain Richard Phillips from Somali Pirates. I was on the team that killed Bin Laden. I was on the base when Bo Bergdahl deserted, like we went after him. Mm. And wow. I, I was just, you know, right place, right time. I actually have a buddy, a, a former uh, uh, Army Tier 1 guy that told me, he said, you know, you're kind of like the, the Forrest Gump of special warfare only, <laughs> only, he said, only you're, you're not that good looking and you can't run very fast <laughs> but yeah you, i mean you've been Always part of the, the all the missions that have been turned into movies from zero dark 30 yeah, to captain phillips to lone survivor yes. it's unbelievable um and 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 one of the great things in the book at the very end you talk about your experience at that 9-11 memorial and there is that i i believe it's a grandfather with the kid and the kid with said the grandson yes why would God allow this to happen, and the and the yeah. grand the grandfather said, "No, God had nothing to do with this. The devil did this." And he went to you and said, "You killed the devil." And yes, he did. That like, was very powerful. That to me, I mean, as someone who I started my first seven years in stand up in New York, I was in New York on nine eleven. I, I got choked up on that. So yeah, I, I really appreciate you having shared that story. And before we get into the the juicy part of this. Uh, all of us were talking on air beforehand. You're like the Neil Armstrong of our generation in terms of what you did. I don't know if anybody's made that analogy before, but we, you know, we really do appreciate you taking the time and sharing the story with us. And I, I don't know if you've heard that before, but we really appreciate it, man. Truly. No, that means a lot. Thanks for saying that. It's a, it's a lot to, a lot to deal with. And I, I'll be the first to tell you, it was I, I just turned a corner based on tactics that were you know, that we came up with and, and I was led upstairs by guys that were extremely brave and we were flown there by the pilots that, I mean, their stories are incredible too. And they're the guys that got us there and the uh, intelligence analysts that found the guy. So it's, I, you know, I was part of the end result of years of preparation. So it was just a uh, right place, right time. And, and uh, it was, you know, it's an honor to be, be compared to anybody like that, but just to be a part of that team was an honor because every, every seal on the ground, every operator on the ground was uh, the best that I'd ever known. And it was just a, uh, Quite a quite a time. Can can you walk us through that night, Robert? Like, bring us back to that night. I know that a lot of people were watching in the war zone, were watching in the war room, obviously from overhead. But can you take us through that night when you guys jump in and get ready to go in? Yeah, when we uh, when we launched for that mission, uh, we a lot of us didn't expect. By the way, Robert, real quick, just before you get into, I love how you wrote in the book how your dad and you're eating Chick Fil A. With with your daughter, and you're thinking, I'm gonna go kill Bin Laden, and you're, and you're talking to a grandma next to you. It was like yeah. all, always like those moments that that you know. Again, throughout the course of the book, you you're just a normal guy that got put in an extraordinary set of oh, circumstances. Exactly right. And I yeah. really like it was all those little nuances that I really appreciated, and the fact that you're buying sunglasses, you're like, fuck it, I'm gonna spring for it, and Amex could. <laughs> Can float yeah. the bill if I die. I'm going like, to be dead next week so they can afford these Prada sunglasses. <laughs> that mindset yeah. you had is just unbelievable, and it's just something it I've was, never... It was a really, really uh, focused time. You know, taking my daughter to Chick-fil-A, no, watching her play with a brand-new friend in the in the uh, you know the play area, and knowing I'm going to go to Pakistan here in a couple hours. Unbelievable. And, you know, yeah, and then we, you know, we, we went over there. Everyone was, everyone was focused. I didn't think we were coming back. There was too many variables. Uh, too much. We didn't know if the helicopters worked. 
if anyone's going to blow himself up, it's this guy. Um, you know, it's, we're going to, if we run out of fuel and end up fighting it out with the Pakistanis, we're not going to win on their turf with this no air support and either get killed or arrested and then end up in pack prison, which is worse than death. And, and it's just it's a lot of stuff, but we accepted it because of the people that died on nine 11, the people that, you know, they were trying to have breakfast at windows on the world. And then they, you know, a few minutes later, they're deciding to jump because it's, it's 2,500 degrees in there. You know, it's, it's just, so we, they, they, we went for them. So when we, when we actually got over there and launched on the mission, you know, we, 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 all of us had been on so many missions before and, uh, it, we liked it you know we love going on mission but this one it wasn't it wasn't high fives or, or just hey you know have a good fight it was it was hugs and uh you know hopefully we'll see you there and and you know we went on the thing and uh flew across the border and we had 90 minutes to get there to figure out because you know you can get shot down any, any time so you don't think about it because like worrying about getting shot down in a helicopter is not going to help so why worry just if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't and we watched i watched guys take naps i watched guys put their ipods in and listen to music and just really and it you know bizarre experience we finally got to uh and you had the george you know, about, bush quote coming that just I did. popped I, in your about, head right about 10 minutes out we turned to the south and we had uh you know 10 minutes to go and i because i was counting from zero to a thousand a thousand zero and finally i um for some reason i just said freedom itself was attacked this morning by a faceless coward and freedom will be defended and i don't know how i remembered it but wow. uh i just instead of counting i kept saying that and then the only george bush out, quote we, i ever remembered was 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 the one where he was talking about uh you know fool me once shame on you fool me twice uh and, and he then he stumbled out, yeah. so if i was flying with you that's the quote i would be going in my head but but i'm glad you got the right one were, were any of the seals listening to our podcast just to get motivated Gary! yeah that's exactly, that's exactly what they're let's take down this fucker put on episode 92 but you get in and then pilot from dash one you know, saved lives by making that last minute transition. And he could have done what the norm was, right, to pivot one way, but he pivoted the other way to, yeah, to save he, you guys as you're it. getting we, there. We were fortunate enough because I was in the other helicopter. They were going to hover in between the main house and the guest house and have the guys fast rope, which is, you know, just the rope comes out, you slide down the rope like a fireman's pole. And um, then they were going to take off. And we, we my team was going to go up to the rooftop after we let drop the snipers off. But the pilot realized he couldn't hover and he spun it so he could put the tail on the wall and pin the nose into the dirt because that was the only way not to roll the helicopter and kill everyone on board. So we were very lucky to have the four best pilots in the world flying that mission. Wow. He did that. Made, made, he made that decision I just described in about a quarter of a second. Because you guys and, were training you know, with a fence that had – obviously air could pass through, but the wall was there preventing more heat. Is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah. The, the, they were set up just a little bit different and it was a few degrees uh, – warmer so they couldn't get the uh the lift they needed that's what they told me i'm not a pilot but that's uh wow that's and then uh so they they pinned that down and um we were on the outside they like i said we were gonna drop the snipers off and then lift to the rooftop so we could hit it from the top down to the bottom up but the pilot put it right back down on the ground and sort of through non-verbal communication told us you know you guys are getting out here and we just we knew the layout so well that um we just started from there. We knew there was a door, and we were going to go put a bomb on that one. So we, we went to work from the outside. That's, I just remember thinking, okay, I guess we start the fight from here. And then the first person you encounter is his son, correct? No, the first person that uh, we encountered— There's 17 was, kids there, right? Yeah, there, no, there was a lot of kids and a lot of women. That's generally how, how it worked. They, uh, for their, from their religion, they're allowed to have three wives, and for the love of me, I don't know why that's a good deal. <laughs> but that's kind, of, that's kind of how they roll. And so there was kids and women, but they they ran into uh, 
the famous courier that was the reason they found bin Laden and his brother. And that was before I got there. So two, two of my guys ran into them. Uh, they engaged him because they both had weapons. Some were firing at him. Then um, one of the wives jumped in front of uh, one of them. So she was martyring herself as a human shield. And we know, if you see that, you know it's a, it's a serious target. The women are martyring themselves. <clears throat> then we went to the stairs. And, you know, I, I was fortunate because I, I landed in the back. You know, I landed outside, so I was in the back of the – we call it a train. But that's the line of guys going through the house. So I was able to watch my guys do stuff really cool stuff and just knowing the threat that the entire house should blow up on top of us but it didn't affect the guys at all and they were just i remember just being proud of my guys and then um just thinking how cool they were they're, they're so cool none, none of this affects them they're doing their jobs the famous uh three-letter agency woman who found bin laden said we would run into khalid bin laden on the stairs and we did and i was about seven guys back and it was dark it was quiet because we don't make a lot of noise and he was hiding behind a banister with a gun and I was, I wanted to just watch and see how the point man handled them. And he just whispered his name and uh, said, come here in two different languages. And Khalid came out, he was confused. And that's when that ended. And I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen wow. in my life. I wouldn't, I never would have thought of that. Um, we went up the stairs further uh, to the, so those stairs led to the second floor where they, um, the guys in front of me, except the point man separated and they started clearing all the because the you know you want to clear a floor before you go to the next floor you want to clear the unknowns all the unknown people unknown spaces and things like that and that's when i turned into the guy right behind the point man so i was what you call number two man and he was pointing up the stairs and i had my hand on his shoulder and because i'm kind of like his eyes in the back of his head because i'm not when we have enough guys to go to the next level and we're ready i'll just squeeze him and that's again nonverbal communication letting him know it's time to go up and we didn't have any guys because they were all busy and we were spread pretty thin. And the, the point man started talking to me. He said, hey, man, we got to go up there because we knew that's where the suicide bombers were going to be because bin Laden's going to be up there and he's going to have women blowing themselves up. And he wanted to beat them to it. So he convinced me we got to go. So I said, all right. And, and I remember not it was I don't know how he was feeling, but he's obviously one of the best seals I've ever worked with but i wasn't feeling bravery i was just feeling i'm tired of thinking about this let's get it over with we're mm -hmm. gonna find out what a suicide bomber feels like so i squeezed him on the shoulder we mm -hmm. went up the stairs there was a curtain at the top of the stairs and he pushed it aside and there was women behind it so he pushed them down the hallway and sort of jumped on them assuming they were suicide bombers so he wanted to take the blast so the guy behind him Jeez. could take the shot yeah it was incredible <laughs> so he basically jumped on a grenade that didn't happen he did that. I saw it happen. I turned to the right, and there was Bin Laden standing there about three feet away from me. And uh, he had his hands on his wife's uh, shoulders. He was sort of pushing pushing her toward me. And uh, I remember thinking, uh, you know, he's, he's taller than I thought. He's skinnier than I thought. His beard is shorter. It's gray. Um, he's, that's his nose. That's him. He's not surrendering. He's a threat. He's a suicide bomber. you got to take him out. And the way I've dealt with suicide bombers before, and the way you take them out is you shoot them in the face because you need to immobilize them as quickly as you can because mm -hmm. they will set it off and it doesn't take very long. So I shot him twice as he was standing up and again on the ground. And then I, his wife was right there, so I pushed her back. So I, he, I shot him at the foot of his bed. I pushed his wife over to the right side and sat her down. I remember seeing his two-year-old kid standing there. And as a father, I actually felt bad because I was like, this poor kid has nothing to do with this. He's just here. Yeah. So I picked, picked him up, put him next to his mom, and then – other seals are coming in the room and sort of clearing at this point. And that's when I sort of stopped and uh, I'm standing there. And one of my guys that was in a fight downstairs, he'd made his way up and he came up to me and he goes, Hey man, you good. And I said, um, yes. Well, what do we do now? And he said, he laughed at me and he goes, well, now we find the computers, man. We've done this hundreds of times. Right. And I said, yes, I said, yes, you're right. 
holy shit. And he goes, yeah, you just killed Bin Laden. <laughs> Your life just changed. Jeez. Wow. <clears throat> Absolutely so that was crazy. How- Excuse me. That's how that went down. So it was nuts. And then, and like the the crazy thing is, I mean, it's great to you know obviously mission accomplished, but it's not over yet. I mean, you're almost your your ride home almost blew up, right? And then ninety minutes getting back to the Afghanistan border because the Pakistani air defense could shoot you guys down at any moment because yeah, they're they're hot on your tail. Yeah, they were somewhere. I don't know exactly what they were up to, but. They figured out eventually we were there, and we had to fly 90 minutes, you know, to get back to Afghanistan, and we're not safe until we get there. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what kind of assets that we had as Americans in the air. Did we have some defense? I don't know, but we may have. But we, you know, we knew we could. If we, all we knew is if we could fly 90 minutes, we get to see our families again. And so that was a very intense, uh, intense ride because you know we start the stopwatch, <clears throat> we're flying out, and nobody wants to say anything because you don't want to jinx it, you know. So you're flying, it's like 10 minutes, it's 20 minutes, it's 30 minutes. You're kind of looking at each other, 40 minutes. And then you start thinking about, you know, like a no-hitter at top of the six at Yankee Stadium. Like, don't say anything, but – and then, you know, 50, 60, 70 minutes. And then you start – I remember thinking about the um, Lake Placid when the Americans beat the Russians in hockey in 1980. And it's like you hear the crowd counting down 10, 9, 8, very nervous. Maybe we can do this. And then 85 minutes into it, the pilot came over and said – all right, gentlemen, for the first time in your lives, you're going to be happy to hear this. Welcome to Afghanistan. Wow. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> and well, that's when the high five started. I bet. I mean, 90 minutes of silence. That sounds like one of Steve's comedy shows. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, Robert, rare, rarely is like a dictator or terrorist in history killed by a lone shooter. Like you look at Hitler, Mussolini, uh, Stalin, like all these guys. Saddam was hung after a public trial or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. And so, like, the gratification that comes with being able – like, all these people that go, oh, if you go back in time and kill Hitler or, or, or what – but you, you did it. You're, you're the – I mean, the, like, how do you process yeah, that's that? A, I mean – Well, the, uh, that, I think that I, – I had a question that dovetails off of what Keen said because afterwards there – you had you'd said that maybe there was some perhaps, you know, animosity you got from some of the fellow SEALs that you – on the mission with or just fellow seals in general in obviously a how do you feel about doing such a momentous thing but with that being said and the perhaps like you know steely-eyed looks you were getting when you visited the white house has this book and maybe even talking about it to the general public like guys like us has it been cathartic for you in terms of dealing Mm -hmm. with the you know perception that some seals may have towards you no it's good it's it's good And, and a lot of the seals are coming around um, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's one of those things where it's, you know, it takes a lot. A very low percentage of people become seals, and even much, much lower percentage go to the seal team. That I'm not allowed to say <laughs> for some weird reason because everyone knows what it is. But <laughs> right, we're we're in a deal where you know these are complete alphas. These guys have been the best on every team they've been on. Right, and so when someone gets that close to getting that and not getting it, but someone else does, and then the presumed credit even though i never asked for credit um yeah they're gonna get they're gonna be they're gonna get pissed they're gonna be a little bit jealous and uh i understand i mean because like even when uh <clears throat> when, when chris kyle wrote his book american sniper i remember seeing that i'm like who's wh- who does he think he is you know i'd be and just it's just jealousy and he, here's a funny story because you he always actually, wanted to be an author as well right <laughs> it's funny i should yeah. be writing books he sent me a copy of his book, and I remember getting it. This, and, it and it came out. I mean, fortunate for him, it came out like the week we, we killed Bin Laden. 
And I got a signed copy of his book. And I, I remember thinking before I opened it, I said, why in the world would I want a signed copy of a book from another Navy SEAL? And I opened it. And it said, great shot, Chris Kyle. And I'm like, that's the coolest thing I own. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we don't want to take too much of your time, obviously. We, we, we cannot thank you enough for not only a, a fantastic read, your service to the country. Is, is All of us are yes. vets of USO tours. We've been over there. I was, That's awesome. My brother served. Uh, I was over you know, in the heat of it in 2004 and seeing Ford oh, wow, operating yeah. bases. And I rem- I'll never forget, I was with Drew Carey. And this is 04, and we went to some location on a Black Hawk that I was just like, it just felt dangerous. And out come like 30 dudes that look like they're Abercrombie models. You might have been one of them. I mean, these guys were all <laughs> 6'4", jacked, yoked, great-looking dudes, facial hair. I, I, like, I, I was here entertaining these guys in a bombed-out basement. It looked like a fight club. In the middle of nowhere, you knew they hadn't had a hot meal in months or a shower, and they were all just like yoked, like the prototype, like the the American you want to be. And I was yes, like, I'm yes. going to go sue my parents because <laughs> it's just not fair. So, on behalf of all of us comics that have gone over, obviously, thank you so much for your service. We cannot thank You're you enough. Very yeah, welcome. absolutely. You're and and so Robert, much. and I have to tell you, I've done some Navy SEAL training myself. A couple weeks ago, the hot water was out at my apartment, and I had to take a four-minute cold shower. So I know what you, I know what you're going through. Uh, it wasn't pleasant. I'm right with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was going to ask really quick in closing: is there is this what you guys did? Is 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 that even a possibility with a Kim Jong Un, something like that, or is that such I, a hermit? yeah? I would. I would never say no. It's it's not a possibility. I think it would be a lot more difficult in a place like that, just because he's got the big military presence around him all the time and layered security. I think that if SEALs were involved, it would be more in uh, in training up or potentially assisting like uh, South Korean special forces to get in there. Um, very, very difficult to get in. Yes, they could do it, but I think if and when Kim Jong-un gets hit, it's going to be like he eats a weird meal and gets a heart, has a heart attack because China poisoned him or something. Or Dennis Rodman and needs to SEAL train There him. we go. Exactly. <laughs> He's got to do the, the steel pier. Um, thank you so much. Honestly, really? we cannot thank you enough. It's so good to have you back here and thank you for, for sharing the story and continued success to you uh, and obviously you, your family. The All book the is time. called The Operator Firing the Shots That Killed Osama Bin Laden in My Years as a SEAL Team Warrior. American hero, Robert yeah. O'Neill. Thank, Thank you, you so Robert. much, Robert, for joining us. That was a lot us. of fun, guys. Thank you. Robert, we hope to meet you one day in person and get these books signed, which we would absolutely love. I can't love. wait. We'll do it anytime. Anytime we can do it. Awesome. All right, pal. Take care, brother. Thanks, Robert. Wow. Unbelievable. Amazing. That was, uh, you yeah, know, that... it's just like to hear history unfold from the actual gentleman that personalized. Like, yeah. like the wife was grabbing the shoulder, end of the bed. Those details, those the minutiae of that. Like, Unreal, and his his beard was a little smaller, but that you knew yeah. he, for a second he knew he's like that's him. Zoomed so, in on him yeah. and just saw him. And I was immediately like, did that he was know him. Afterwards, it was him, or did he know going in? But clearly, he had that second of recognition. Yeah, that, yeah. When Steve mentioned that, oh hey, you always want to be an author. That joke bombed, uh, but <laughs> it, but it was perfect. Uh, wow, Steve, um, who did you line up for uh, some of our podcasts coming up in the future? The ninth Joker. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Steve, we have an announcement. <laughs> Bag full of hamsters author Theo Vaughn, I believe. Uh, no, Fantastic. listen, we, uh, we are continuing to make the dojo better. Yes. Make the dojo more difficult. Are you leaving? Uh, in terms of training. Oh. Uh, shut up. I thought that's what you meant. <laughs> 
So what we want to do, obviously, uh, we're going to continue to get great guests. Uh, we're really proud of the work we put into the dojo lately. But what we want to do is we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear from the hardcore listeners because we want the dojo to grow. We want the dojo to be better. And what we're going to do now is we are making up dojo T-shirts only for certified listeners, yep. dojo-approved listeners. So what we want you to do, if you're a hardcore dojo listener, go to iTunes, rate, review us. Anybody that rates and reviews us gets a free T-shirt. That's we'll it, be, Steve? There's no catch? There's no catch. Come we're on, gonna be Steve. Posting, everything has a catch. We're going to be posting the artwork. <laughs> Gary's going to be keeping track yes. of everybody that writes and reviews our podcast. All you have to do is tweet Gary, Yep, and Gary will follow you back. Get the address. You we will send, send us a, you a postage self-addressed stamped envelope. But, <laughs> we don't have that kind of money no. here, Steve. <laughs> We're going to send you a dojo T-shirt. Yes, and then take a pic of it. We'll tweet it out as we you really are wearing the T-shirt. Yes, as you are wearing the T-shirt. This yeah. is going to be great. I sense your kids are going to have Christmas gifts this year for once with these dojo T-shirts. No, there's going to be a bunch of kids in Africa wearing dojo T-shirts. <laughs> uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, after runner the Super Bowl runner-up yeah, T-shirts. Uh, but we want, we also, what we really want is at the end of every dojo episode, we're going to be taking three questions from dojo listeners, and we will re- we will um, read those on air. We will give us your name too, because we want to let people know who's listening to the dojo. So give us your name. Uh, from here forward, we are going to be taking questions. So write Gary, write Patrick, write myself. Uh, and you could write it personally to me, and then I will read it to Gary if it's addressed to Gary or Patrick yeah. and vice versa. We're family. Yeah, yeah. One, yeah. one love. Our, our, missing, our missing puzzle piece is the listeners. We want to hear from them, see what they're saying, see what they're thinking. We have a lot of great listeners, a lot of loyal fans yeah. that we've met out on the road. Absolutely. But rate and review us. Uh, By we'll the way, the, we'll get the address and we'll get you a T-shirt. You know how the Olive Garden released a black card that you can have unlimited pasta for a year if you get the black card. We're going to do something similar. We're going to give I don't know ten thousand listeners that. a it's black card, visa. and we're going to give them free access to any of your shows. It should be a black up. card that gets them into any show, although they can probably find their own way to get in for free. But this way, it's official. And these Dojo T-shirts, Patrick and I were at the printing. Pro- we were there at the printing press last night. Till three in the morning, watching every move that these guys made, and these shirts, yeah. amazing. That's amazing. It's, uh, I'd be thrilled. I'm jealous of fans that, that are going to get these shirts. Get these, yeah, because yeah, you can't get one, obviously. Right, right? I can't. Yeah. Being being the talent. No. Yeah. Well, listen. I got to tell you, thank you again to Robert O'Neill, one of our probably biggest guests on the I, dojo. It, this is pretty amazing. Most significant. Yeah. There's only one song to play at the end of. Mr. O'Neill's episode. I, we need to get this book signed. We need to meet yeah. him in person. Look, great book. It's called The Operator. Get out there. Pick it up. Read it cover to cover. Unbelievable. Great, great read. It's, uh, I mean. Superman very, can't walk. <laughs> very rare do you have somebody who is part of history. We just had history on the dojo. Well, you had Ryan Dalton on episode 72. That was pretty crazy, too. Let's talk about your mechanic. Great. <laughs> Hotel <laughs> hacks. And the, joke, and the joke about the author that bombed. Robert J. O'Neill. Yes. The operator. Firing the shot that killed Osama bin Laden. What a great guest. Thank you for having us on and listening. We appreciate it. Don't forget, go rate us. Go rate, review us. Let us know, and then we will send you a T-shirt. Where do you see these things? Pretty they badass. are pretty badass. How was, Kevin Christie. How was is Richard Pryor in uh, Superman 3? Richard Pryor. Ooh. Ooh. By the way, my mom is going to be Always bringing the show to a grinding (laughs) (laughs) pot.
<laughs> Any momentum we have in closing. Yeah. Gary, Gary, Gary and I will just look at each other. Once Keen, Keen doesn't ask questions. He makes statements. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a way that maybe we can get Mike 2 turned off during the show, <laughs> and then there'll just be a patch of silence. Keen I'd should come in that. next week and just see two mics. <laughs> <laughs> you can sit. There'll be three yeah. chairs, but just two mics. <laughs> we uh, rate, review us. Let us know. We'll get you that T-shirt and start submitting your questions to us on social media. We will read them, and we want to know your name. We will read your name as well. Uh, where can they find you? Canon Comedy at at Citizen Keen at Steve Byrne Live. We're super excited. The Dojo is getting better. The Dojo. The, the Dojo. You said Dojo. Shut up, Gary.